We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And today we're going to do another Quick Hitters episode where we answer your questions, and that'll be followed by a Phoenix Suns preview. In some ways, this will be a two-parter because we're going to answer some of your specific questions that you have about, about the Suns, so make sure you listen to these two back-to-back if you can. The first question comes from our guy, Lakers Therapy. Good Twitter follow, at Laker Therapy. With how poorly Drummond matched up against the Warriors, do you guys think he'd play better in a seven-game series against the Suns, or should Mark start as soon as possible? I am, as we record this, right in the middle of an awesome conversation with Krangis, who's fairly anti-Drummond, right? I would like to make my case for Drummond in last night's game in particular. Drummond is not asked to make the same level of sophistication on his rotations as an AD, for example, which makes sense. It's not in his skill set. And if you need somebody to be able to close out to the wing and the corner, and if you need somebody to make to make those more sophisticated rotations, he's probably not in the game. But Drummond, I thought, did an excellent job on Steph. When he was in the game, Steph only scored six points in uh, the 1646 that Drummond played, and Steph scored like 31 in the 25 that he didn't. He showed very well high on screens. So I'm curious where you guys are right now with him. I would argue, and a couple people have brought this up too, that the complications with Drummond are far more on the offensive end than they are on the defensive end. So Darius, what's your take on Drummond in a Suns matchup? I mean, I think he's a fine matchup for Aiton. Mm-hmm. And 
I think the Lakers need to build out rotations against the Suns that offer enough physical force in the paint in order to overwhelm them. The Suns are going to play a much more traditional style than the Warriors did. And I think using any Warriors game as a template for anything besides playing the Warriors again is probably a mistake. That's right. Steph is a one of a kind. Even though Booker can run off screens a bit, it's in a different way. Booker plays much more like Rip Hamilton or Bradley Beal, mm-hmm. right, than he does Steph Curry. No one plays like Steph Curry. I think the game plans will reflect that. I'll be very interested in how Drummond navigates like Chris Paul, for example, which is a different animal all in itself with Paul's propensity for shooting the mid-range jumper and catching you in between on drop coverages. I agree how Drummond fits in offensively and what it means for the spacing to me is is a much bigger question than than the sort of defensive issues that one might have with Drummond. Mike, a thing that I would pose to you and you don't have to answer this and you can go in your own direction with this but Drummond can erase mistakes in the same way that he can create mistakes. And it's an interesting push and pull for me because there are times where he might be out of position, but he has the physical tools to make up for that. And there's value in that as well, right? And so it's it's sort of a mixed bag with Drummond, but I'm not down on him per se especially not defensively, I'm more wondering, are the Lakers going to find the right fit with him offensively where LeBron and AD especially can thrive the way that we saw them thrive in the second half where Drummond's minutes were a bit more limited? Here's where I'm at with Drummond. I'm already annoyed by every time he makes a mistake, I get I have to see five clips of it on Twitter. But Amen. None of the plays that he makes that are good, such as the two huge blocks, which both cut out Golden State runs uh, and change times when the game really could have gotten out of hand, uh, or the duck and dunks that he makes, the extra effort that he makes in, in, in defense. He was a minus one for the game against a team that is perhaps the best in the league for the last five years. And this is the Draymond Steph lineup, especially of making you go small and abusing you if you stay big. So... What do we expect, once again, from the guy that the Lakers got for free, basically, uh, that played 16 minutes? Why are we having all of these angsty discussions about him? He's fine. He's, he's fine. He's doing he's, – he's better than what JaVale McGee was as an all-around player last year. Um, Dwight, that's a different type of conversation because Dwight is an all-time great defensive big who still had a lot left on that end last year and also can catch lobs, which helped in certain situations. But – like Drummond has his own skill sets, most of which are not going to come out as much until he's playing alongside LeBron and AD. He's now played alongside LeBron for like five games. And by the way, he closed the season pretty well. Uh, 13 and 13 at New Orleans, 11 and 15 at Indiana, 20 and 10 against Houston, 16 and 18 against the Knicks, 6 and 10 against the Suns. Uh, in let's see, in the Suns, he played, he only played 20 minutes that game. Like the Lakers, they do have more options there. Marcus All is a really good player. I think that they should make sure he gets some time. Um, Trez is going to have his moments against Phoenix, but like, what's the what's the deal? With, with, I just don't. I am way over having to have this conversation about Drummond every night, as if they signed Shaq for the a max deal and had to send out half their team. Did I sound annoyed there, Pete? You did, and and amen to all of that. <laughs> 
it reminds me so much of the Lamar Odom days, right? Where when things go bad, it's just the automatic hit, hit the Andre Drummond button, right? Like it's Andre Drummond's fault. And in reality, most of that game, Anthony Davis sucked. Anthony Davis was not good for the majority of that game. And then he destroyed it in, in the fourth quarter. But like you said, he was a minus one in his 16 minutes against the team that made the league go small. Right. The team that did that and the player and the two players with Steph and Draymond, the way that Draymond facilitates. It's more on the offensive end, right, where the the spacing can be a little clunky if AD's jumper isn't falling. It's it's, you know, it, it can be a little clunky. But like you said, this is a guy that's filling in for JaVale's spot before. But others could argue that it, he's filling in for Mark. So that's what I think it comes. That's the big part of it, too, is that people like Mark. I like Mark. I want Mark to play, but Drummond is blamed for the lack of playing time that, that Mark gets. But what, what we have to understand, and maybe I can kick this to Darius and we can get to some other questions after this. And I just, I like this topic. Frank Vogel and the Lakers are aware that on offense, they would be better if they just played AD 48 minutes and they played LeBron 48 minutes, Kuzma, you know, like just played small shooter and KCP and or Caruso. Like, yeah. That, of course, sure, you'd be better on offense, but guess what you don't have as much? A, a physical presence who's going to bang on the opponent, play the Lakers style, wear you down. It's a trade-off. They're aware of that. Like, it's not – this isn't just supposed to have the what is the offensive spacing going to look the best at all game. It's got to be a mix of stuff that they rode to a title last year. So, again, guys, this is not new. This is what the Lakers have done to establish a style uh, of physicality. They brought a guy in that can help them with that. Uh, and that can play 16 minutes and still, just like Dwight and JaVale did last year, stand up and cheer for his teammates on the sideline. So, again, I, I just I don't see the problem so much. D, let's move on. Next unless question. You got no, I was going to say next question. Next. I'm, tired of, <laughs> I'm tired of talking about Drummond. Amen to that. Someone's microwaving fish in here, Mike. <laughs> hey, man, I wish you would have given me a primer if you wanted to hit the Darius Displeasure scale. No, no, no. Okay. Mike, you're on the scale right now. <laughs> yeah, this is your, okay. this yeah. Is your project. <laughs> My bad. My bad. Uh, this is more, yeah. I, so I'm not quite to microwave fish, bro. <laughs> sure. I'm, but I'm definitely I, – my, my new shoes definitely got scuffed. I just got, I just got some Grinches, okay, last week. Oh, and when I, saw that, when I saw that drumming question combined with 7,000 tweets in my timeline last night, um, I, I, I ran in, I, I ran into, uh, like the curb, right. And I wasn't quite, I wasn't quite paying attention. And I looked down and I was like, shit, you know, and, I saw, and then I'm like, is this one that I can get off with a baby wipe? Do I have to break the brush out? And, uh, and fortunately I think I got, I got this, I got it off. Okay. I got the scud mark off. But if I, the next time I see something like this, uh, in the Phoenix series, um, we're talking about some fish in the microwave, bro. All right, let, let, let's get our, our next one from uh, from our guy Jacob Rude asks, uh, and it's perfect for these types of situations and stressful games last like last night. What type of liquor is the best to drink during these stressful playoff games? I'm not going to be much help on this one. No, neither is Darius, huh? No, me neither. But you know, your liquor of choice, right? And so whatever, I think whatever gets you to sort of chill a little bit. Maybe yeah, have you a don't glass want the of wine. Up one. Right. No, you don't no. want the, the liquors Maybe. that get you all yes. fired up. That no. It's so, counterproductive. So probably yeah. not brown liquor, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's not start making Hennessy and Cokes here. Okay. So let's chill back a little bit. 
Hennessy is what fueled my drunken uh, Milwaukee Clippers weekend tweets from the last. That, that's the that's what you have afterward to celebrate a win like this, but not during the game. I'm no totally during the win, during yeah. the game. Nothing that's going to make you spiral in yeah. any given direction. <laughs> when we're right? down by thirteen at halftime, exactly. Mike, do you not drink? No, I I do. I just not during Laker games. You know, ah, yeah, well, no, Mike's at work. I've literally never had a drink during a Laker game because <laughs> I've always been working at every Laker game since 2008. So um, that's a different conversation if I'm watching Manchester United. Now, those games are usually in the morning. Um, and so I'm not really drinking for that either. Uh, it, so, yeah, I just I could answer the question as a hypothetical, but I'm to try to keep it to the actual question since I don't watch. I You know, I don't do it for the Laker games and I, I will abstain. All right. <laughs> I love it. All right. Let's get to the next one from Dan C at DCLA guy 11 asks, Dennis was pretty terrible last night and I'm seeing a lot of slander pointed at him. Is that just the curry factor? Is he just getting his win back or should we be concerned? Well, so Dennis really struggled. Okay. And I, I earlier referenced that Drummond was only a minus one. I think Schroeder was minus 20. Yes, he uh, was. Okay. Yes, so, he was. I mean, I'm, so the last time that we spoke to Dennis, which was just a couple of days ago, he said that he wasn't yet feeling like himself in terms of wind, which I think we noticed because part of what made him so good throughout the regular season is that his energy level and his ability to pick up 94 feet and to um, to repeatedly attack the basket. Right. He didn't seem like he had quite that extra burst. And yet for a while, especially when LeBron and AD were not going that they were kind of looking at him and saying, Hey, can you help us out here? Can you go get some buckets? Can you go get to the paint? Can, and, and he did it a little bit. Um, he missed some wide open shots. And and I think that the Steph issue was Steph was just like, Steph is so incredible in that he's not a big guard, but he's got that release and the angles of his release. So, so if you're six, one or whatever, like where Dennis is, he's just pulling right over the top, right over the top. So Dennis got him one when he packed him going to the rim on a drive, but Caruso is, is significantly bigger than Schroeder. And so is Wesley Matthews. So they were able to better contain Steph. So I th- part of the minus 20, as Pete referred to in the last pod, was just Steph was having his way, um, getting to his threes and getting to his spots around Schroeder. Caruso did a much better job, and that's where you saw the ensuing runs. But I think this is more an issue of Schroeder just getting back to playing games, getting back to, uh, to actually getting in this game shape. And it's a little bit like going from – a regular season game to a, a real playoff test, the intensity level takes up a notch and it didn't seem like he physically was there yet. I, I think that'll change in the sun series, but it was very noticeable in this game for sure. Pete, where are you at with Dennis? So I, I talked a lot last night about guys, about the team having to ramp up in general. And Dennis is one of those guys. It's been a minute since Dennis had to play in a really high-intensity game in particular because he was out again with the health and safety protocols. I thought, I think there are a few factors with Dennis. I think that on some level, he's playing for a contract. He forced a good amount of his offense in last night's game when it should have been a passing read. And it was very much, I'm going to take over this stretch of the game. Now, I'm not going to, and and in saying that, I don't mean to play armchair psychologist. I don't know what's going through his mind, but I, I do think that from all of his comments and from getting to know him as a person, he's very much in a, I'm trying to prove myself and to show my worth 
in this league. And these really high stakes games are part of that. But when you don't have that ramp up and you go from not playing at all or playing in two basically preseason games to end the season to this point, it's a big jump. So I stay patient with Dennis. I keep things as they are because Dennis is a really good player. He's got his flaws, but he is part of why we'll be good. And I, I won't steal your thunder because I know you had some observations at the beginning of the third quarter of what was important that, that he brought to the table on the offensive end. But my, I have some level of frustration with like, we, we've we needed you to, to be there, right? To not miss as much time as you have. But I think ultimately he provides a component of speed that nobody else does and speed with the ball in his hands in particular. I think it's hard to forecast what a player will be. And it's unfair to forecast what a player will be based off of probably one of their worst games the entire season. Just like it's unfair to say like, oh, well, Dennis had 30 points and 12 assists. Man, he's going to kill during the playoffs. It's just like, yeah, let's let's back up off of that too, right? Dennis is a good player, just, just like you said, Pete. I thought his aggressiveness and drawing fouls in the first part of the third third quarter was super useful for the Lakers. I think the Warriors committed four team fouls in the first two and a half or three minutes of that quarter. And so not only was the turnovers fueling the Lakers run, it was that every subsequent foul after that sent them to the foul line. Dennis's aggressiveness is going to be helpful to this team, whether it's off of dump offs, whether it's off of like the Kobe assist, right, where he might miss inside, but a big is crashing down and they get an offensive rebound. There's a bunch of stuff that he does well. The thing that concerned me about the Warriors game was the shot pass decision stuff and the way that Draymond specifically baited him into making poor decisions, like more often than what you want to see from a ball handler who is going to have to make decisions for you, like over the course of important playoff games. Just a quick note, and I'm not disagreeing, Darius, but he did only have two turnovers credited to him. It seemed like there were more plays that kind of went that way. He had five assists, two turnovers. But I, I just think that this is where the Lakers' depth comes into play because just do what you did in this game. Caruso finished the game. Caruso was spectacular as we haven't mentioned yet on this pod, he's, he was just incredible. Play him more. Um, and guess what? Now they've got Wesley Matthews who is, it's just different from Wesley Matthews, even a month ago um, who they can plug in, in a spot. So what Frank Vogel already showed is who cares about next season and this and whether or not he resigns or not, like he's playing, who's playing well. And since Schroeder, even though he had some moments, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And the free throws were significant, especially he didn't close that game and the Lakers had that luxury. Steph's going to cook you sometimes. And like he cooked Dennis. What do you want want to say? Steph's going to be top three in the MVP race. Like, yeah, we've seen that go the other way with LeBron. Right. Where it's just like, yeah, LeBron made someone look really bad. Good. Right. And, and he'll do that to good players. And mm-hmm. it's just what. Well, I want to see a little bit more from Dennis, especially during the Sun series. So we'll see. He's got an important matchup with Chris Paul. Very much so. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll keep answering your questions. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. All right, guys, this next one comes from Kobe Garyani. He asks, do you see any series in which Trez can be useful? I would argue it's the one that we're coming up on. Yeah, Trez can be useful. In, in what way? Because we saw another game last night, right, where he played in the first half but didn't get any run in the second. Questions with Trez are almost always going to be about defense, and they're going to be about how quickly can he acclimate to what the Lakers are trying to execute on that side of the floor. Pete, you've argued for Trez to play more in the past, right? I think more recently we've probably shifted that focus to Mark a little bit. Um, but I think there is a certain brand of defense that Trez can play. He can be aggressive at the point attack. The question for me is, is, is he going to be the quick decision maker once he has to get back into rotation? I think Trez can be useful offensively in almost any series, right? It's the question of, can he be useful defensively? And we're going to see. I'd love to pick Vogel's brain about this topic specifically, but I'm sure we all have some some thoughts. So where are you guys at? Yeah, I just think that we've now seen Frank Vogel pretty clearly show that there are certain times where he thinks that it's going to be beneficial to play Harrell and other times where it's not as much. 
And if you look at the four games to start May, 17 minutes against Toronto, 10 against Denver, 20 against the Clippers, 15 against Phoenix, you know, then five against the Knicks. So he's he's already out of that, you know, regular extended rotation, both halves thing that he had to do to help the Lakers through March, especially when he was great. He had a, a he had a great March uh, in that context. But as the game has picked up some uh, and teams are really going to their better groups and they're going smaller um, in certain times, even though less part of the time when Trez can play, he's just not going to be out there as much given what their front court depth is. And given what we know is that Anthony Davis is going to be playing more center. So you can play Trez at the four in certain spots with him in like, I guess defensively uh, I would be talking about, but I do think we've been talking all year about how Phoenix in this particular matchup with Kaminsky and Sharich is the one that Trez can do some real damage in that second unit. So I do think that we'll see him in those settings. And I think Mark is going to be more like, you know, tag teaming on Aiton uh, in in certain spots. And if Drummond gets in foul trouble or just you want to space, you're, you're getting a little clogged up against Phoenix's defense and Chris Ball is really locked in. And, you know, then you want some floor spacing. So you put Mark there. But I do think Trez will get, uh, you know, relatively consistent second unit minutes in this series. Yeah, I think it's always a matter of a calculation between how much of a positive is his offensive contribution going to be against that particular matchup versus how much are you giving up on the defensive end. We will almost certainly blitz and be aggressive with Trez as often as we can when he's in the game. And then, like Darius was saying, it's a matter of does he make his rotations? How much – and that's not something he's particularly good at, right? He will take false steps. He will – rotate oh i'm i went to the wing i was supposed to go to the corner i was supposed to go back into the paint these are mistakes that he makes regularly enough to be that's part of his game and so it becomes a matter of who are the three-point shooters out on the court and who can if there is somebody that you can live with taking a three trez's defensive miscues are much less harmful. And then that ability to really wreck shop on the Kaminsky's and Sharich's and and just be overwhelming inside. And that's why I think Trez is going to be impactful in this series is that it's more of a cumulative thing with the Lakers roster and the Lakers bigs in particular. For example, when we close a lot of our first quarters, including the Golden State game, we'll have Trez and AD in the in the game together at the same time. And I think that those are lineups that you'll want to have Trez in, in there with him as well. Um, but it, it really is, is more of a calculation of how much is that going to burn you versus how much production is he going to give you inside. And I think Phoenix is probably the best matchup in the West of that ilk. And then if we beat Phoenix, the next series of Denver or Portland is more of a Mark series. Let's let's go to the next question. Here's a good one from Jacob. Pete, do you think we can use THT in the series against Phoenix? How do you think we can slot him best? Well, he asked you. So what do you think, Pete? <laughs> I think I think THT is a, is a really good second unit option. In some ways, it's, it's a similar conundrum to Trez. It is. Right? I like THT as an on-ball defender. He's not Ben McLemore concerning on... on his off-ball defense, but it's bad enough to where he'll be targeted against a Phoenix team that can shoot. I also really like THT's ability to get to the basket and be a perimeter version of what puts pressure on the rim, like the AD, Trez lineups, and all of that. I think that Phoenix just doesn't have enough guys to deal with that many people putting pressure on the rim from that many different places. So again, I think it becomes a calculation of 
how much will the campaigns, Cam Johnson, any of the three-point shooters from Phoenix, how much will a misrotation from THT burn us versus how much value will he provide on the offensive end? Yeah, I liked how Vogel used him, even though it was in such limited minutes. Like he only played six minutes, but he came in, he got a steal, he banged a three. You know, he tried to get downhill a little bit, got aggressive, but he was not somebody that you were going to have in the game against Steph, who played, you know, 40 minutes when you have Caruso, especially coming off the bench as a defensive guard. And same thing with Wesley Matthews. So I just think that he, a little bit like Trez, like you suggested, Darius, he becomes almost a luxury uh, at certain times where like they certainly don't need to use him and it isn't always the best decision to use him if you're extending everybody else's minutes and that's just where it's at like he's still 20 right uh these these guys the the proven playoff tested players like i see him more as kind of a change up a curveball where things are a little bit bogged down hey tsg come give us a quick lift thank you right uh appreciate it get and and then kind of back to the bench and, and and that's a compliment but I just think that's where at this stage of his career, again, they're going off of really proven starters and uh, proven subs that are going to be more uh, useful defensively, especially playing in these schemes. that are going to come night to night against the same teams. So I agree with with both of you. I think it's really going to come down to his defensive utility, and I think it's going to depend on some of his offensive decision making. One of the hallmarks of playoff basketball is how much do you take off of the table? And if you're someone who takes things off of the table fairly consistently, then odds are is if a team has alternative options to you, they're going to play those other guys more if they take fewer things off of the table. And so, yeah, THT can put a lot of things on the table, too. All the scoring versatility, all the size, some of the on-ball defensive chops, those things will be useful. Playoff basketball is not mistake basketball time i think down the stretch of the golden state game you got a good sense of how much vogel's going to tolerate mistakes because it's winning time you got to get four wins and before the other team does and no playoff coach is in the business of giving away a win in order to satisfy a handful of minutes to a player that's just not how this works during an 82 game season sure during a seven game season where you got to get four wins, not as much. So I think he can play against the Suns. I think THT can play against anyone, but it may be more like what we saw against the Houston Rockets last season, where it's not every game. And it's and it's like, yeah, come and give us a good six minute shift. Absolutely. Let's take two more. Let's uh, let's check back on in on this. This comes from Chompasaurus. What are confidence levels now at compared to before last night? For what it's worth, mine went way up because I feel they played about as poorly as they could and they still pulled it out. I can take this one to start. So this is a little bit like the discussion, Pete, we had when you asked me if I was nervous and like all that kind of stuff before the game. And you you made some good points about how the game could go that needed to be acknowledged. And I think that we're sort of both right in a way. Like the fact that the Lakers still won that game kind of goes to my ultimate confidence. And there was a certain, absolutely there was a chance they could have lost it. And then I but I think then they would have beaten Memphis, even if that would have been hard and they would have eventually got going against Phoenix. It would have been a harder path. But the point is, the talent is there. LeBron is close enough. A.D., for as bad as he was early, you saw what happened in the fourth quarter when he engaged. They just they have so much 
that I have not seen something that can get me off of that uh, other than the injuries that occurred in the last couple of weeks. So this this I didn't learn anything new in this game. Right. I haven't learned anything new really all season. Uh, But and that's therefore my opinion hasn't changed. I'm about as confident as I was before. Right. Which was fairly confident already. AD and Braun reaching the level that they did during the second half in sort of a must-win situation. Not must-win, but you know what what I mean. A game that the Lakers really wanted was important. Vogel going to optimal lineups was important. Making sort of critical lineup decisions where we're not necessarily concerned about, Mike said, like future status or ego or anything else. That's important. Right. And so as you start to see the key parts of the team round round in the form, right, which are Anthony Davis, LeBron, and honestly, the third most important person in this equation is Frank Vogel. He is making the he is making the decisions. We mm-hmm. often talk about, oh, Drummond or Schroeder or whatever. Well, guess who controls all of that? Right. It's it's Frank Vogel. And, oh, and so can I make one quick Vogel point? Yeah. The fact that he's it's, – it's like seems like an obvious thing in hindsight, but the fact that he started LeBron and AD in the fourth quarter gave yes. them an immediate 4-0 run and had and, – and Kerr just wasn't expecting it because the Lakers mm-hmm. haven't done it uh, minutes-wise. Yep. And I, I just thought that was one of those mini adjustments along with, of course, the big one, which was Wes uh, in over Harrell that I, I just feel like should get some extra note. No, that's a great point, right? Like, because those are the minutes where Steph and Draymond are on the bench and we really capitalized when we didn't do that in the second quarter. No, it was look, these are we talked about it some on on well on the pod last night, but Vogel almost treated the first half of the Warriors game as game one and the second half of the game as like game two, right? And so here are all my adjustments that I would typically make like to begin a series, but I'm making them in the second half now because it's time to win the game. In terms of confidence now. Like, look, these guys are proven at this point, proven from last year, at least. And LeBron's been proven for years and years and years. You can only be confident right now if you're looking at, all right, well, LeBron looks pretty good. Anthony Davis in the second half looked pretty good. Frank Vogel, he made winning decisions, right? And then you start to look at some of the role players. Those got, look, Caruso's ready. KCP is ready. Wes Matthews looks ready. I have a feeling if Marcus Gasol would have played, Marcus Gasol would have looked ready. Kuz. Yes, he was. Kuz played very well. Kuz looked ready, mm-hmm. right? And, and so these are, the, these are the core guys that you want. And am I as confident in Schroeder or some of the guys who have not been here that did not win the title last year? Probably a little bit less so, but I think they'll have their opportunities to make plays, and I have a feeling they're going to make plenty of them. So that's kind of where I'm at with this team right now. I'm a little different than you guys in that my confidence went up quite a bit, but it was more a function of circumstance than the roster in that my concern has been this lack of cohesion, this lack of time together, where beating us once or twice twice, God forbid, but even just once would have changed our bracket quite a bit in the circumstance of what we're about to go to. I think a, a Utah Clippers first and second round is a different animal than a than the one that, that we're facing. And 
we could have totally lost last night's game. I feel way better about a team having to beat us four times. It's more that we didn't have enough time to get up to the speed and to get up to a level of, of again, cohesion that would allow our talent to really shine. And so it was more that we were in this bottleneck of sorts where a combination of a bunch of factors were like, ooh, I'm kind of nervous about this. And had we played Golden State four out of seven, if it was that type of series, I would have been like, that's fine. Even if we lose game one, if we you know, are down to one or something like that, we have the time to be able to get up to speed to win four out of seven. But it was the circumstance of a play-in of a lose two and go home or lose one and really change your playoff you know, outlook. I, that is the is the difference to me and why my confidence if I was a 65 or 60 the last time that we recorded I'm probably a 70 or 75 just as a function of us being in a four out of seven situation so Pete I think it must have been a listener to the pod but I saw a tweet at halftime and I, I wish that I would have you know marked it so that I could cite it and accurately give credit but the the point was basically hey Mike you know yeah you seemed all chill Last pod, well, this is what we're, they were talking about with you. Don't you think cohesion matters? And I'll, I'll sort of – and so without dismissing that, because that is a good point generally in basketball, this Laker team just needs to play hard. And, the, and, and all of a sudden, look at the cohesion. Yeah, but they, it's more than that. We were playing hard. We were just stuck in the mud in that first that's, half. Pete, that's, there's a, that's not true. They were not, playing, they were not playing hard enough in the first half. They all said it after the game. Anthony Davis is usually the, the guy. He will, tell they, they, you po- he will tell you post-game, which he did. I was, I was not really ready for it. Like I was playing uh, – you know, we were playing a little bit casual. They, like, it's not that they're not playing mm-hmm. hard, they're playing, but they're not playing the level that they need to be playing at. And so you can you can make the argument cohesion is a part of that. But guess what happened in the second half when they kicked it into the gear? All of a sudden they looked pretty cohesive, didn't they? So that that that's it's the I same mean, argument we're having over and over again. But like they're they won the game without whilst without even playing that way for the whole first half. They were more cohesive, certainly, but that was there are still mistakes that are that are being made. And obviously every team is, is going to make mistakes over the course of the game. But we are not as crisp or as sharp as a Golden State, as a Utah. No, right? but they're so good I, enough, I think, but they're still better. They're still good enough to win the game. That's my point. They are they are against a Golden State, but in when we get into these higher my point is that so the Clippers are the one team out West where I'm like, I think they could beat us in a seven-game series. Not that they would, but I think that they could do it often enough to where, where it's notable. And we now have enough time to to have that rhythm, to establish that. I'd be having a, a totally different point of view if we had two weeks ahead of this Golden State game. And we have that now, right? We have a four out of seven where this team will be able to develop more and more of that in ways where, yeah, there are going to be games where they're better anyway. But I think we need to get to a a certain level of precision before we can beat the higher level teams. And I think we have the time to do that now in ways that we didn't prior to winning this play-in game. I think I fall somewhere in the middle here. I think... The word I would use, Mike, in terms of last last night isn't about playing hard or not playing hard. To me, it was playing with purpose. The Warriors were playing with purpose f- right from the outset. And with purpose comes 
a certain amount of focus and focus translates to execution to me. And the Lakers in the second half played with much more purpose. Focus and cohesion are not the same thing, right? But focus can lead to better cohesion because the players are good enough and smart enough that when they are all locked in better, they're all doing the right thing more often. And that can paper over some of the, well, this team is sort of not brand new, but they have not had rep after rep after rep after rep in order to sort of cover for each other. It Like it reminds me of something that Marcus Gasol said earlier during the season where he's just like, I'm learning these guys defensively and they move differently from the guys who I played with before. And I move differently than the guys that they had in this spot before me. There's a certain amount of, I have to get used to the speed and the athleticism and the size and the anticipation that these guys have versus what previous guys, guys had. And I think Mark, him saying that is sort of speaks to Pete's point, right? That you need that time in order to sort of get up to speed together as a group and and for guys to learn each other. But in the absence of that, know your job, right? The first thing that you can do is know your job. And if you're doing your job correctly and every other player is doing their job correctly, then that's going to look much more like, hey, they're on the same page. When in reality, that's that's close to being true, but it's not the same thing as everyone sort of the way that LeBron is, Mike, where it's just like he knows his job. He knows A.D.'s job. He knows Dennis's job. He knows the guys on the benches job. He knows the players on the other team. He knows their jobs. Right. And and when if all five players have that level of of awareness, that's cohesion. Right. But the Lakers are not there yet and they may not get there. But if they can fine tune their own understanding and maybe a couple of other guys like this is where I am, this is where he is, sort of their partners. I think that we'll see even more of a leap in that cohesion and the progression that that can can bring. But on your point, Mike, the talent is there and they're good enough to continue to sort of piece it together in in a way where they can be dominant for stretches and still beat really good basketball teams. Yeah, so this this comes down to me somewhat of a semantics argument. And it's not even really an argument because I don't think the three of us really disagree. I'm just, whatever you want to call it, like part of it is the energy, part of it is the cohesion, part of it is the consistency, part of it is the focus. All of the things that come into play to try to win a basketball game. And the, the overarching point that I've been trying to make all along is that they will win either one one of the two playing games. They, they just will. They, there is enough there. They will figure it out. It's going to be some mix of energy. Maybe if it's not the energy, then it's the talent. If it's not that, it's the size. If it's not that, it's just LeBron. Like it, But they will get that done. And if they get to a series, to Pete's point, then again, all of that will build. And because they are not starting from zero – there is no other team in the NBA that has been just, just just cutting through the rest of the league like a hot knife through butter. Brooklyn does not have their cohesion and consistency yet. Neither do the Clippers. The Nuggets lost their second best player. 
you know, Phoenix to an extent has, but they're limited on talent and size. Utah has been without their backcourt for a while and they have limitations. They can only play one way. So that's all. There's just there's no other team out there that uh, that has to me stood out in terms of any of the stuff, whatever one of these arguments we want to have within the context of of of, uh, of how they have to get to playing to that ultimate level. And, and that's why, again, I've still been staying with the Lakers pick. I agree, but I think that there are teams, particularly later in the playoffs, that are going to be dangerous. And I think this series against Phoenix probably goes an extra game or maybe two because we haven't had that time. I still think that we win it, but I think that it, don't it you think it'll a, come quick though? It'll like it'll come quick now that they're in the postseason that they're they're going to be playing some of the similar lineups, like you know. Well, so that so that's the thing, and I, I do think it become it comes quicker in a series because. This is the first time of the season where we are planning for one team. Our job is to beat one team four times out of seven. And that's a different that's a different mindset. It's a different strategy than beating a different team every night. And we're about to enter that. So with that said, tomorrow's episode is going to be our preview of our first round series against the Phoenix Suns. Thank you so much for uh, everybody's questions. Sorry we couldn't get to everybody, but we're going to be doing these probably once a week going forward. And I will try to remember if I haven't gotten to your questions before to get you on a, on a next uh, mailbag pod. So thanks again. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's in. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. Bryant, unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.